This is Zeninish. Part two of reactive attachment disorder. I wanted to um, definitely talk about those. Some of I wanted to go back and talk about some more of the the symptoms and yes. behaviors. And the reason why I say symptoms and behaviors is because within the research, there was not a lot of research on reactive attachment disorder. So I found myself looking at the symptoms, the main symptoms of reactive attachment disorder. And so um, you definitely, I definitely looked at neglect as one. Mm-hmm. Definitely looked at neglect. We looked at one second here. I don't want to miss anything. Um, okay, so we definitely looked at neglect. We definitely looked at um, maternal childhood maltreatment. So um, mothers, definitely mothers who um, suffered from maltreatment within their childhood, oh, they did yeah. and inflicted some of that onto their child, right? Mm-hmm. So then we also looked at um, parental stress. So a lot of mothers, the biological mom, she experiences a lot of stress, especially if she's a single mom, right? Mm-hmm. Or especially if she's the mom who may be in the domestic relationship, domestic violence, she's stressed. And so with parental stress, a lot of parents were unable to care for their children, the biological child. Mm-hmm. So those are definitely some um, indicators and things that that um, contributed to reactive attachment disorder. Yeah. And I think it's important that, you know, we talk about the fact that these symptoms and behaviors um, they are or can be variables in several different disorders or several different uh, behaviors that we see um, displayed. But it's important to know about reactive uh, attachment disorder because it makes us more aware and more knowledgeable when we're going in to speak with a specialist or a clinician or even the school um, so that we can better help children and, and know you know, the different things that are out there that our, our children may be experiencing. So it's, it's amazing that you brought that up because it definitely gets confused with autism. Mm. Um, that was one thing that I learned as I was doing my research. Mm-hmm. Um, that those two, yep, that it, it definitely gets confused with that. So. Right. And that's a very good point also. And I think it goes to when, uh, working with clinicians or um, the schools or what have you, that we're very thorough in the investigation of what's going on. Um, Because if it's thought of as autism, then we might not be getting to, you know, the root cause of what's going on. Um, And then that could lead to what is the root cause continuing to happen. Um, And and it's, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'll lose my thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, it's amazing that you said that as well, because that's what I do as the human services professional. And that has been my main goal here within Arkansas and in with throughout the throughout, throughout the United States is to understand what my role is. So my role is to get that 
full view and that holistic view of the client, mm. the family, and then say, hey, they may need therapy and this is what they're experiencing. Mm. So that's definitely what I do as a phenomenologist. I'm able to get the big picture. I'm able to dive in there and see exactly what is going on with the entire family. So you're definitely correct. Spot on. We definitely need that. So, and and speaking about the treatment, once, you know, we have this diagnosis of the reactive attachment disorder, what are some of the treatments for this particular disorder? So within my study, I do... I do know that parents definitely, they've been through diagnostic units, like 28-day units where the child goes there and they're taken off of their medication and try to see what medications can ease the symptoms because, of course, there's no cure for reactive attachment disorder. It mm-hmm. actually goes into adulthood. So there are some adults who are suffering from reactive attachment disorder. Not only do they do the diagnostic treatments, they are still, like I said, they're they're really heavy on residential Um, and acute. Um, And just from my research, parents attempt outpatient services, but it's just the lack of knowledge from our professionals where the parents feel helpless. But Mm -hmm. definitely residential services, acute services, and the diagnostic services. And when you talk about it going into adulthood, how does that look in adulthood? Does it look about the same as um, adolescence. Now that I cannot answer because I have not did any research in adulthood. Okay. I just know that through my research, I learned that, mm-hmm. but I do not know that lens. Okay. So okay. I'm just, like I said, I'm more of the adolescent lens. Um, yeah. I want to venture into the, the younger ages. So mm-hmm. to see what that's like. Okay. All right. So are there any final thoughts that you feel like we need to know about a uh, reactive attachment disorder or reporting it or, or any information you'd like to give us? Okay, so I definitely want to go back to the behaviors and symptoms. So some of the main symptoms that the parents experienced here in Arkansas was manipulation, um, destroying items, the kids are charming, There's constant chaos in the home and constant chaos is in the home during holidays, school um, behavior. So there's also aggressive behavior towards children, aggressive behavior towards the mother, assaulting other children, releasing in the air vents, like I stated earlier, purposely releasing of their bowels, hoarding food, as I stated earlier, staring at others, stealing, running away and failing to bond with the parents. Or with family members, um, sister, brothers, mm. the entire family. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to share those just to give everyone an idea of what's going on here in Arkansas. And they may be seeing that somewhere else. I'm, I'm glad you did. Uh, and as I said earlier, this gives us a wider scope when we're looking at uh, children and we're trying to provide the best services possible. Um reactive attachment disorder is fairly new as far as a diagnosis. So when we're looking at the standard list, if you will, of what a diagnosis may be, it's important to incorporate this in 
because it's a different lens and it would be a different way of treating that child and hopefully finding success. Definitely. And I would definitely encourage um, um, family therapy if professionals Mm. run across. And I just say that simply because of research says it, but not only that, but family systems theory was another theory that I used within my study. And from my research, I was able to determine, of course, systems basically says that whatever one person is experiencing, the entire family is impacted. And so I got to thinking, well, that's what definitely what happens with the active attachment disorder. Mm -hmm. And so that is one reason why I encourage um, therapists to start with the parent. There's no other. I mean, the proof is in the pudding, Mm -hmm. you know, start with the parent. This is a person who is experiencing and I know that a lot of professionals they will advocate for the child and but when you're dealing with the child with your active attachment disorder you don't know what's true or you don't know what's false and so you definitely have to go to that parent and see what is what they're experiencing in the home to better understand how to treat the child absolutely and you know if we're looking at situations where there's manipulation or um a failure to bond that's trauma for the parent. So family therapy and looking at family systems is like crucial. It's Mm -hmm. it's an integral part of treating that child. And I also want to encourage um, therapists to treat the parents, treat the parents, because within my study, these parents were traveling two to four hours for services because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think all of Arkansas is pretty rural, but there are some more rural areas than others. Yeah. So the parents were having to travel from the smaller cities to come to places like where I am in Little Rock, like, you know, the capital city to receive services. And that's a two to four hour drive. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine a single mother doing that who is an entrepreneur? She has lost money from her business, right? Not only has she lost money, but she's lost her only support system, which was her right. Her mother passed away. And so now she has a hard time trying to explain that, explain reactive attachment disorder to the rest of her family. She's a single mom, entrepreneur, trying to get her son help. That is very stressful. A lot of my parents, they were um, in therapy themselves, experiencing PTSD, anxiety. So that's definitely a part of my research. Um, If individuals want to take a look at that, I talk about in there, where um, parents and what, what their experience is like with their mental health. And so when you have a parent who is struggling with their mental health, how are they able to care for this child that they want to care for? It's Absolutely. different for them as well. And so we have to start there with them because those are the individuals who have to bring the child to um, therapy. Not only that, but they have to be mentally stable to be the adoptive parent that they need to be for that child. Yeah. So definitely I say I would encourage starting there because with their experience alone, you better understand what reactive attachment disorder is. Right. It's like they say with, you know, airplanes in case of emergency, put your oxygen mask on first before you help Mm -hmm. someone else. So it's important that we are taking care of those that are taking care of the children. Yes. Yes. 
Not only that, but it's very important for all of us to come together and have one big round table of a discussion about this. Yes. Um, it's very important for human service professionals to connect with mental health professionals. And it's very important for those two to come together with social workers and mm-hmm. different things. And so that's a model that I use with the Home for Eden. So a human services professional or a practitioner we still have to um, perform under our professional. And so um, I have an LPC on my board of directors who also has experience in reactive attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. I also have an educator on my board of directors. And that was simply because here in Arkansas, we had educators who did not understand reactive attachment disorder who did not really understand what the parent was saying. And then you had professionals who did not understand and you were lacking the human services professional. So now I'm, I've been at it as a human services professional. I have an educator on my board. I have an LPC on my board and we have the, we will have, have the parents. And so we're all going to be able to try to come together to start some services here in Arkansas for these parents. That's awesome. So I encourage everyone else in the other states, other countries, you know, where you are in Belgium, everybody come together. It's going to take a village. It's going to take a team to come together to tackle reactive attachment disorder because it is new. Mm. And we all have different, different um, skills and assets to help the parents deal with this because it, it only continues to manifest as the child grows older. Yes. And you doing this interview um, is definitely a, a first step for us, just knowing what it is. Um, mm-hmm. It being so new, some people are like, what? <laughs> you know, what is yeah. that? Yeah. So it's wonderful that you were able to share this information with us. Yes, I was excited to do it. Um, I'm always, always say I'm a rad advocate. And I don't want people to think like I advocate for react- reactive attachment disorder. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I advocate for change. Like yes. something has to happen for um, these parents and the and the children and the children. Right. And the first step is awareness. And we definitely have it now that we've spoken with you today. Yes. And thank you for having me once again. Yes. So, Dr. Jeter, we thank you so much. Um, if someone wants to know more about your research or know more about RAD or reactive attachment disorder, where might they go for that information? So they can definitely go to the dissertation express for, with ProQuest. And my dissertation is there. There's several versions. Um, there's the PDF version if they want to print it or there's the, um, the hardback if they want that. But definitely um, Procrest, their Dissertation Express store. And in the author subject box, you can type in Latoya Jeter and it'll come up. Great. Or uh, I can also um, search um, the Child Mind Institute. I love going there. Um, It has different articles, different blogs about reactive attachment disorder. So I love it there. That's my playground. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Dr. Jeter, for speaking with us today. Thank you.
Zeninish copyrighted podcast and website offer opinions of Dr. Lakeisha Hudson, Dr. Kiki Zeninish LLC, and or guests. Content is for information only, not medical advice. Consult a professional for health concerns. Opinions are personal and do not reflect workplaces. Privacy is a priority. All names may be altered for confidentiality. Not for legal use. No guarantee of accuracy. No doctor-patient relationship established. For errors, email 423.4.doctor.kiki at gmail.com.